Hi, this is Lucy Arnez, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 107, and I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is the weekly show that once again takes you to give you a little peek at what's coming your way as far as remakes, sequels, new movies, and TV and DVD releases. And this week, our special guest is none other than the actress, singer, producer, Lucy Arnez. That's right. In the 70s, she co-starred with her mother, Lucille Ball, and her brother, Desi Arnez Jr. on Here's Lucy. Remember that one? I think they went on for six years with that show. And uh, Lucy's going to be here to talk about her new CD called Latin Roots and some fascinating stories about growing up with parents who were the stars of one of the greatest comedy TV shows of all time, I Love Lucy. That's right. That's coming up shortly on On Screen and Beyond. She's got some great stories to share with us. And I also want to let you in on our DVD giveaway contest. Here it is. You can get all the information also at onscreenandbeyond.com if you want to check that out. Uh, we'll be giving away two DVD double features. All right. One will be an action double feature. and It'll feature the film Dynamite Warrior, which comes from the creators of Ong Bak Two. And Exiled from Magnolia Home Entertainment. They're the ones we're teaming up with to do this. And the other one will be a horror double feature with the movie Pulse, which uh, is a foreign version of the original. It was the original, rather, of a movie which was remade in the United States. And it's called Pulse. And the other one is Sick Nurses. That's a double feature for there. Pulse stars Kiyoshi Kurosawa of The Grudge and Darkwater fame, and Sick Nurses comes also from the creators of Ong Bak. Okay? And all you got to do to win those is simply send us an email to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Tell us which double feature DVD you're trying to win. Okay, You might want to put that in the subject line because what we'll be doing is we'll be doing drawings. That's all. Simple. You know, just doing a drawing to see who's going to win them. And uh, so if you're going to make an entry for the horror, and you want one for the action feature, then what you should do is send two separate emails, okay? So you must send separate emails for each entry, and only one entry per person, and be sure to tell us if you're trying for the horror or the action. Contest ends on May 4th, 2010, and we'll be drawing a winner from all the entries, one for the horror double feature, and one for the action double feature. It's all from On Screen to Beyond, and we want to thank Magnolia Home Entertainment for joining up with us on this one. And uh, let's see. And then after we do the drawing, we will contact the winner for the mailing address to send the DVD to. So, all right. And by the way, both of those DVDs will be released in stores on May 4th. So check those out. And let's check out remakes coming your way on Remake Madness, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. 
Remake Madness. Well, a remake of Jack and the Beanstalk is in the works. It's going to be called Jack the Giant Killer, which was the original name of the uh, first movie. And it will be directed by Brian Singer. And it looks like Anna Faris will star in a remake of Private Benjamin. It's a role originally done by Goldie Hawn, and it's currently in development. And Warner Brothers is uh, developing a remake of Godzilla. It's set for 2012 for a release on that one. That's about it for Remake Madness. Coming up next, we're going to take a peek at upcoming new movies right here on On Screen and Beyond. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As far as upcoming new movies, Ivan Reitman will start filming in May a new film called Friends with Benefits. And it looks like Malcolm McDowell is rumored to be starring in a film called First Platoon. It's listed as a zombie comedy. Right, that seems to be a popular thing coming out now. And 2011 will bring us Sacrifice with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater. It's about a tough undercover cop who inadvertently gets involved in a dangerous heroin ring. And that's about it for upcoming movies. Next, Sequel City, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, rumors are out that a sequel to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs may be in the works, and we'll keep you updated on that as things move along, or not. And the sequel to The Chronicles of Riddick seems to be moving forward. It seems Vin Diesel is posting concept art for Riddick 3. We'll keep you updated on that one also. And 2002's surfing movie Blue Crush is headed for a sequel, which begins filming in May. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, The Mothers-in-Law, starring Eve Arden and Kay Ballard, will be released on DVD as a complete series set. And it has 56 episodes. It's coming out on July 27th. Earlier, on May 4th, you can look for The Facts of Life, the complete fourth season on DVD. It will also include the two-hour TV special, The Facts of Life Goes to Paris. And 1960s Dragnet TV show comes to DVD with seasons two starring Jack Webb and Harry Morgan. It will include the 1966 pilot movie of the show, which was never released. And the release date for that is on July 6th. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, movies coming your way. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. Movies on DVD, well, it looks like on June 8th, you can look for From Paris with Love, starring John Travolta. On June 15th, The Book of Eli will hit stores on DVD, and it stars Denzel Washington. And also, coming out on June 1st, look for Essential Eastwood Action Collection, which uh, includes such movies as... Foxfire, Heartbreak Ridge, Kelly's Heroes, and Where Eagles Dare. And it arrives on DVD on June 1st. If you're a Clint Eastwood fan, you got to get that one. And that's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, our interview with Lucy Arnaz, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Mm-hmm. 
guest today on On Screen and Beyond is a past Golden Globe nominee, has won an Emmy, has appeared on Broadway, and for six seasons she co-starred on the TV show Here's Lucy. And now she has a new CD out called Latin Roots. It's Lucy Arnaz. Lucy, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. It's a pleasure to have you joining us. Thank you very much for asking me, Brian. Uh, Lucy, first off, I want to talk about your, your CD and congratulate you on it because it's a great CD and, and a lot of wonderful songs on it. Can I quote you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, it's a, it's been a long time in the oven. I've been thinking about it for about 15 years. I'm not kidding. And I just life kind of got in the way, you know, um, various Broadway shows. I went to London for a year and a half. And my kids were graduating from college. I don't know. I just kept postponing it and procrastinating. And it finally just couldn't say no last year when uh, I got offered this opportunity to produce a big show about my father's music, the Desi Arnaz Orchestra, mm-hmm. here at the Lyric and Lyricist in New York. And I thought, okay, I have eight months to produce that show. I'm going to do the CD if it kills me at the same time so that it'll come out with, with the music. And it was perfect. It was the one impetus that I needed to really make me make it happen, and I'm so glad I did. Yeah, and, I, and, and listening to the CD, I get the impression that it, it was a very personal thing for you. It was indeed. And if you read... My little stories, I, I made a point to make sure I had liner notes and did like the full booklet thing because I wanted to explain how all those songs ended up on the CD. Some of them, you know, just great fun songs I do in my shows, my mm-hmm. concerts and things, and others were family, close to my heart numbers, like the one my father wrote called I Love You. Right. It's never been recorded, and I wrote a song with my son, which is really about the generation of music that flows through my father to me to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guitarist as well, and I did Babaloo, you know, but with a new twist to it. And right, yeah. It's, um, yeah, I'm very proud of how it turned out, too. We had the real old-fashioned session recording with a big orchestra, not, you know, putting a piece on here and a piece there. It was uh, quite amazing, and only just over a, um, eight days we finished it. Oh, really? Wow. Gee. And, and now, uh, getting to, to some of those specifics that you were just talking about, um, the music of your heart, uh, in your heart, uh, yeah. now your, Joe wrote that, your son? He did. He wrote the music, and I ended up writing the lyrics. Was it something you were looking to do, or how did that come well, about? Joe, my son Joe Luckenbill went to school uh, because he loved playing the guitar. He taught himself how to play, and he, he got himself into a conservatory and got a commercial music major, which means, yes, you have a guitar major, but you're also able to record, and you, be, you could become a sound engineer after that. But he left college and really just wanted to do his own music, and um, he created a, a CD of his own without saying a word to anyone. He just disappeared into his apartment for several months, really, without saying anything, and, and evolved with this beautiful CD, some wonderful music really great lyrics and he was singing he wasn't just playing the guitar he was actually performing and he sounded great mm-hmm. and I, I said well you've been holding this hiding this from everybody and so anyway I said Joe if you want to find a song that you have written that I could put on my CD something you think I might have fun singing send it to me you know you've got a, a month or so before we go to record 
and he sent me a track, but he did, it didn't have any lyrics. And I loved the music. I loved what he done. I loved the guitar playing on it and everything. And I, I said, what do you want to say? Don't you want to write a lyric? He said, I don't, I don't know what it is. I just felt the music, but I don't know what it's saying. And I went, well, let me work on that. And it just kind of came to me that it was about my father. It's about me. It's about your, your inner voice inside, you know, mm-hmm. and how we stay connected. And, and it, it's probably one of my favorite tracks, really almost my, my favorite track on the CD. Ron Abel, our musical director, put some wonderful, uh, arra- he put a wonderful arrangement to it and he orchestrated it perfectly. And I, I love it. I love it. I and, love that song. And it must be very heartwarming to work with your son. I mean, you know, I mean, naturally you worked with your mother on, on TV, no, but... It really, it really was, and I'm kind of getting a sense of how she must have felt. Yeah. I never really doubted her when she said you guys are good or you know good, mm-hmm. good work lucy you can do anything you know you think oh you're just being a mother right <laughs> she didn't she didn't throw praise around lightly i think she would have told me if i was not good and i am amazed at how good joe is he's he's very talented and I'm, it was thrilling for me i don't record that much he's he knows a lot more about recording than i do really and, um, so it was kind of nice to have him on my team, you know, yeah. to have a, they're protecting me, really. Yeah. Now, was he involved in anything else on the on the CD? Just that one song. That one song. And, uh, it's funny, too, because he, he just played guitar on it, and then I took the track home, and I was listening to the track for a couple of days before I put my, I did scratch vocals, and uh, but then I went back and played around with some of the vocals afterwards. And and while I was listening to, the, to that track, he picked up his ukulele and started the overdubbing little high ukulele songs on top of what the track was. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm just screwing around. You know, I said, that sounds fabulous. <laughs> Why don't you put that on the CD? And he went, yeah? And I said, yeah, it sounds like a mandolin. It sounds fantastic what you're doing. So if you listen to it, you can hear the guitar, but then you also hear this high overdub of which, what is Joe playing ukulele. Wow. Yeah. He's got a good ear, you know. So, he has yeah, good ideas. It's funny how things evolve like that when you hear something, you say, oh, we're going to add that in there and everything. Yeah. 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 Huh. I mean, that's why they tell you to live with the tracks for a week or two before you go and, and sing them. You know, you have the tracks laid down. Yep. You think you know how you want to sing it, but you want to get it in your system. And about, you know, four or five of those songs I've been doing for the last few years in my show, and I had them really, you know, they were like my skin. And then there were other ones that were quite new, Blame It on the Boston Melva and. Fools Rush In, Joe's song, and, yeah. you know, even Babaloo. Right. I had heard it all my life, but I hadn't really been performing it. So singing a song is like driving on a road. You know, the more you drive the road, the more you know how to drive the road. You know when to put mm-hmm. the brakes on. You know when to take the curve, you know. Yeah. And some of these songs like Cumbanchero and songs like that, I've been singing long enough now that they really are second nature to me about the breathing and how I want to, how I want to say what I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, every every song sounds great. It really does. Mm. And, uh, now, doing. I gotta say, it's just so nice to get the kind of verbal reviews that we've been getting. It seems to people really like it. And then. Oh yeah. You know, they say if you do stuff for yourself and you just follow your heart, you don't try to put songs out that will be hits. You don't try to put an album out that'll be a success. You just do what you feel you need to do. It almost always is the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I did the Lucy Desi documentary. I was just making something for myself, and I, and I just followed my heart through the whole thing, and I'm sure that's why it won the Emmy, because I didn't try to make the film somebody else wanted me to make. I just made what felt right. You know? 
Yeah, I, I, I want to get into that a little bit after we talk about the uh, CD, if, if, if you yeah. don't mind. <laughs> sure, no, no, more, more CDs. <laughs> uh, uh, the song, I Love You, that your father wrote, yeah. um, was that a, a song that you, that when he wrote it, you, you, you just liked it all this time and you decided to put it in, or, or how did you yeah, decide to come up with that? You know what? He reminded me to put it in. I swear to God he did. Oh, right. Because I was going to do another, well, then he's been dead for 20 years, so what's the right. thing? Right. <laughs> More than 20 years. Um, I was going to put a song on there that my brother and I had recorded on the I Love Lucy's 50th anniversary called Patria, which we sang in, in honor of my father that uh, a couple of other people had written. But it's basically about Cuba and a longing for their country. And we sang it because it was being played when we were talking about my father and leaving Cuba. So it was appropriate. It really wasn't about us. It was, we were singing it as if we were him. Mm-hmm. And the more I listened to it, it's a great song, and Desi and I sounded fabulous on it. And I said, no, it's wrong. I'm not, it's not me. I didn't grow up in Cuba. It's pot, it is not my patria. This country is my patria, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then I thought, well, what am I, I need another song. And all of a sudden, I just, it was almost like I went, oh my God, oh! <laughs> Thank God I didn't forget. Thank God that song didn't work, because if it had worked, I wouldn't have remembered this. And mm-hmm. it was almost like somebody tapped me on the shoulder and just went, what about the song at the dinner table? And I just, and I hadn't thought about it for years, because my dad's been gone a long time. Yeah. But this is a song that he wrote in honor of my stepmother. Mm-hmm. And he used to pull out the guitar after dinner for decades. And just, we'd have a party, lots of people, or one guest, and Edie would say, Desi, sing, sing my song. Sing the song you wrote for me. And he'd go get his guitar, and he would sit down and sing this absolutely simple, beautiful love song, which I always liked. Yeah. And I learned how to sing the Spanish and the English, but it had been a while, and I was thinking, how does the Spanish go? How does the Spanish go? And I had to go look up an old tape where he had some mariachi group, and he allowed them to sing it on a TV show that he produced, and hmm. just to make sure I still had the, the Spanish right. Right, so yeah. the English, and... And it was a joy, an absolute joy to record that. Yeah, I'm sure it must be quite a thrill. Now, so your father never actually recorded it himself? Never recorded it. Nobody ever recorded it except that mariachi group, yeah. the background thing for a TV show. Huh. Wow, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, having a chance to sing Babalu, uh, now I, I presume you've sung it before. Never. Oh, you never had? Why would I? You know, well, I didn't know if you, you had put it into an act or something. No, or... it just seemed totally wrong. Yeah. Um, why am I going to sing Babalu? But then when I said Latin Roots, if I'm going to call the show Latin Roots, yes, I do Cumbanchero, and yes, I do Rumba Matumba, and that's all fun, but, oh, you're not going to do Babalu? Right, yeah. No, with that, <laughs> I said, no, I am going to do it, and I'm going to do it in a really fun way. Yeah. So, A, it's a Santeria song, and it doesn't have to be a guy. It can be a woman who is praying to the god Babalu that her love, her, her you know, amour does not die, that, that he doesn't leave her. And that's what the song is about. And when Dad sang it, that's exactly what it was about. Mm-hmm. And so I just changed, you know, the, the pronouns to, to be feminine right. and masculine where they should be. And then I added I added it to Ricky Martin's Ricky Martin. Vida because yes. they kind of felt like they belonged together. They're both sort of chanting things, and they both have an ale, 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 and they both turn out to be like congas. Yeah. Yeah, and it works. It really works well. Well, it also says something. It really, as I said in the liner notes, to me, it, my dad opened the door for those people in many ways mm-hmm. by bringing that music to television in the early 50s when it was unique and strange, those beats, that rhythm. 
and he made it charming and wonderful and easy, pal palatable to the American audiences. And I think maybe had he not done that, the Latin craze wouldn't have taken off as easily or as quickly. As yeah, it. yeah. And, and you know, so one... It's sort of nice to connect the dots like that. Yeah. And one thing I noticed, when you sang Babalu and I Love You, when, when I hear those songs, I can actually picture your father singing those songs. Yeah, it, something in your voice. Well, it's not an accident. I'm, I'm, because it is a tribute to him, I'm conjuring him up in my mind the way I remember him singing them when I was standing in the room. And, and I can't even tell a story about my father if it's something he said without starting to sound just a little bit like him. Yeah, I mean, there's just something with the inflection. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, male and female, that's a different, but, but just something about it, and it's like, I can, it's, I, I I can picture him. I know, I didn't really try to put my own interpretation on I Love You, because nobody's ever heard it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And the people who remember it are dead. And so I said, I'm just going to sing it exactly the way he used to sing it to me, the way he sang it at dinner. Why not? Why not let people hear how it was sung, and then somebody else, if they like it, can take it and jazz it up. Yeah, yeah. And one of the songs that you sang on there also was a song I've, I've always enjoyed, uh, Johnny Angel. Yeah! It, it, I, was, I was surprised to see that on there. Yeah, I was surprised to find that I could do it. <laughs> I was driving in my car one day, and we were thinking about it. We needed a few extra songs. We almost had everything, but we thought we could use, you know, we need a couple other slots filled. And the song came on. I always listen to oldies but goodies anyway. And, and the song came on, and I said, oh, my God, that would be so great. This kind of a Antonio Carlos Jobim thing, you mm -hmm. know, like take it into that frame. And I ran it by Ron, and he said, great, perfect, perfect. And we just played around with it, and it was like, oh, my God, that is such an inspired idea. Yeah. I just love the song. Everybody I know loves it. It's my generation. Right, you know? me too. <laughs> and, it, and it just feels real good. It feels really good with that beat. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And one other song on that, and this had to be an emotional song for you to sing, was the Dan Fogelberg song, Leader of the Band. Oh, well. I do it all the time in my act now. You I do? Used to. I used to do it once in a while, but now I do it all the time. And I close my show, my the Latin portion of my show, however long it is. Sometimes it's only two numbers long, but I always do it. And I, and I do this number because it is. I say thank you. Thank you, Dad. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be up here doing what I'm doing. I know that for a fact. Yeah. He, he, it's from him that I get this ability. It's from him that I get this love of music. And I heard Dan Fogelberg sing that song many years ago and literally like had to pull my car over to the side of the road. And so like, oh. like, he wrote it for me, you know? Why? Yeah. And I, I only changed one or two words in it. I said my father was a mayor's son and instead of a carpenter's son or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it just, it was too perfect. And I... I know it's not a Latin song, so that's why it's the bonus track. Oh, but it, it even though it's not a Latin song, it's a oh, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know the story behind Dan Fogelberg, you know, no. if, he, if he was singing it, you know, dedicating right. it to his it father. the story of his family and his brother. And yeah, but I mean, it, it fits with you also. Certainly I mean, does. Unbelievable. Certainly does. Yeah, and I never got to meet him either, and I wish I had. He only died a couple years ago. Hmm, yeah. I'd like to thank him. Yeah. Now, growing up, were you always, I'm sure there was, you, you mentioned that there was music, you, your father would play music and everything, but was there always music, and were you driven to to be a singer? 
always loved it. I, you know, you start in the funniest ways. You start lip syncing and performing in sort of musicals. I was, I was a musical theater person, and yeah, I mean, I always loved to sing. I wasn't always very good at it. I had to work and work and work to really understand how to do it and how not to lose your voice when you do it and how to be your own person and not try to copy other people because you're a kid. Mm-hmm. My daughter does this, too. She did it when she was little. You know, you have all these hit records you learn, and every time... I'm a good mimic, and so each time a new song would come on, I would sing it exactly like that person. On right. <laughs> That's not the way to learn to be your own singer, you know? Right. So you have to work hard to say, well, how does Lucy Arnez sound, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, of course, uh, your brother Desi, he had Dino, Desi, and Billy. Right. And so he was going toward music in the very... Oh, yeah. Well, he was such like a talented kid, you know, at... At three years old, he could surf and play the drums. <laughs> How dare he? He could. He could surf on a surfboard at three. Really? He could play the drums. He could stand up on a surfboard and surf in the little waves at Waikiki, and he could play a full set of drums. I mean, just insane. He was born with it, and I always thought, I can't do anything. Huh. I have no talent, you know? So it's kind of wonderful to find my way slowly into the theater, into musicals and things. Yeah. Now, did... When you started young, I noticed that uh, you were in some early episodes of um, the, the Lucy Show. Yes. And right. was that because you wanted to, or, or you were there on with your mother on and your father on uh, set, and they just said, "Well, let's put her in there because you know we need well, somebody." I, yeah, it never happened on I Love Lucy. Contrary to some books, by the way, I was never on I Love Lucy. Oh, really? Uh, no, there was a clo- the last show of I Love Lucy before they went to the Hour series, the one where she's a statue in the park or something um there was a crowd scene at the end and apparently my brother is in that and they used different kids who were at the show that week but i must have i bet you anything i don't have any recollection of this whatsoever but i'll bet you anything that i was too shy because i wouldn't even stand up and be introduced in the audience i used to hide under the bleachers oh really my brother would get up and take a big formal bow and i would (laughs) crawl under the seat Hmm. so i'm sure i didn't want to do that then i don't know why as so, I said, I think I thought Desi's the talented one, and why are you introducing me? I don't do anything. Oh, jeez. No. Um, but then when, I was, when she had the Lucy show, yes. I played little, little parts, little bit parts, and then they were fun. You know, It was like, oh, we're going to go where Mom works and have some fun. And it just was a kick. And it wasn't until I, I was in my high school, and I picked my high school because it had the best drama department, and I was doing plays and things there for two and a half years. And Mom was changing her series to a different format, and she asked us if we wanted to play the real kids in the show. And I went, oh, hmm, well, I like what I'm doing, but that could be a disaster. <laughs> and what if I'm terrible? You know, there goes any career I might want to have later on. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do it. You know, it was yeah. like right now it kind of is half fun and, and half maybe, maybe I'll do this. I yeah. But I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I just, I asked, please, I'm lousy, just write me out, just. Don't me. Hmm. Not if you're a lousy, you know. <laughs> Give me more credit than that. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Now, on Here's Lucy, of course, everybody had a crush on you on that show that, that, that I can remember. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yes. But, you know, we've had a lot of guests on the show, and a lot of them always have good things to say about your mother. And uh, one of the guests that we had um, was the maid of honor at your mother's wedding. Carol Cook. Carol Cook. Carol was a guest. And she was such a sweetheart got the best stories ever oh yeah <laughs> i don't think i could have actually finished the documentary i did if i hadn't interviewed carol really she was like two-thirds of the information oh wow yeah she was such a riot she's yeah and one of my favorite people on the planet yeah yeah very nice and um oh that's what i was going to head toward um Carol told us a story about uh, how your mother uh was always fun on the set but she knew what she wanted and working for your mother on Here's Lucy, uh-huh. was it difficult for you to be, you know, mother-daughter on the set like that? Well, you know, I was there for six years, so there were a couple of days probably where I would pull my hair out and, you know, go, Mother, don't treat me like, you yeah, sure, it's your mother, and she's telling you what to do in front of everybody else. Mm-hmm. So how, how could that be fun? Right. But most of the days were fun really fun and I learned a lot from her Who, who's better you know she she really does know her stuff she knows everybody's job yeah and if you're not doing it right she'll be the first one to tell you and that's not easy you know she wasn't always the most tactful person in the world <laughs> but we had a big show to do that was multi-millions of dollars invested in time and effort and it had to be done in four days yeah and we did it in front of a live audience one time through. We did not do what these people do today, which is, I don't know what they do, because I, sometimes I wonder, when I went to a couple of the tapings of different shows and comedy, three-camera shows these mm-hmm. days, yeah. and they've been rehe- we would rehearse Monday through Thursday afternoon and Thursday night. We would shoot the show and take us a couple of hours by the time you stop the cameras after each scene, change clothes, jump back in, do it again. By 9.30, we would be at some restaurant having dinner. I mean, we did not keep those people there all night. Mm-hmm. Today, they shoot a show, and they do it again, yes. and again, and again, and sometimes the audience is there for seven hours. I know that, yeah. London in the time it takes to see these shows. And I think, don't these people rehearse during the week? Yeah, and, and they don't you know, let you leave if you're the audience. Huh? <laughs> audi- they don't let the audience leave. <laughs> they don't. It's and like it's, it's excruciating, and they'll and they make it all funny, and you know, it's, oh, ha ha, I made a mistake, I stopped. We did it like a play. You don't laugh if you make a mistake. You try to give the people a show. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's very strange. So I learned a lot. I be, I, it was a lot about being professional, being on time, knowing your stuff. And it was invaluable to me years later because I did go into the theater where you have a limited amount of time and you've got to be up on your feet, scripts out of your hand, dress rehearsals, curtains up, showtime, folks. You know, you're not going to be able to go, oh, stop. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So can we do that again? Yeah. Huh. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, you're used to Broadway, so, you know. Well, I wasn't then. It right, not then, yeah. Me, it really helped me prepare myself to know how to do eight shows a week and how to be, you know, to keep it going. Yeah. Now, you were in The Jazz Singer with Neil Diamond and Laurence Olivier. Right. And you were nominated for a Golden Globe for that. Yeah. Uh, now, working with, with, you know, I mean, Sir Laurence Olivier, I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean that seems like quite a quite a thing to do. But were you, you must have been used to being around all these celebrities, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Um, the thing about it is that you're used to being around celebrities, but being around fantastic 
legendary actors is a is different. Really, you yeah. know, you you can be around people who are familiar to you, and many of them were bigger stars when your mother was, you know, thirty years younger, and mm-hmm. now they're sort of legendary names, but you don't really know most of their work and that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you knew anything about performing or acting at all, then there's Laurence Olivier, and he's a legend, you know? Oh, yeah. And I guess I, I didn't know what to expect, but I, I, I only had one scene with the man, hmm. oddly enough. I mean, so I, so I worked with Laurence Olivier. I, I said, how do you do, Cantor Rabinovich? <laughs> he tore his clothes and he left. He said, I have no son, ripped his coat and left. That was my scene. That was it. <laughs> that was my scene. And, uh, and yet I used to look at each and every day the shoot, shooting schedule and if there was a day when Olivier was working I would go to the set and hang out because I just wanted to watch him. Yeah. and he was a, just the absolute 100% genuinely nice completely professional human being without a bit of ego hmm. and um, wonderful to watch he was just he also was very sick at the time he, he was going through extensive chemotherapy he was dying of cancer oh, you know, on and off for several years, and, and he wasn't well, and he didn't feel good. He would go back to his dressing room and sit with his head in his hands until they'd call him onto the set, and then he'd you know, pull, pull himself up and try to perform. And um, and then on the other hand, you're dealing with Neil Diamond, who's never done a movie in his life. Right. Never yeah. acted before in his life. And yeah. So it was pretty funny, the, the polar opposite here. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. Now, making the uh, your Emmy Award-winning documentary, uh, Lucy and Desi, a home movie. Was that difficult to do emotionally? It one, yes, it was. It was. And I, I, I admit that freely. I used to literally wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and just start to cry because I'd say to my husband, nobody wants to see this. Nobody wants to see this because the more I put the story together, it wasn't all pretty. Yeah. Some of it was not pretty. Yeah, it's life. But it was true, and I wanted to walk a very objective, you know, loving but objective line where it's not a tribute piece and it's not a trash piece. It's just the loving truth, it's the best that I know how to tell it about what these two people went through and, and what happened in their life. And uh, But as I got to certain points, I would, you know, edit till 3 o'clock in the morning, and then I'd come back, and I'd just toss and turn and think, oh, God, how am I going to... Nobody's going to want to see this. They only want to see the Chocolate Factory episodes. You know? right. They don't want to see this. <laughs> and that's the truth. I got news for you. That is the truth. Most of the time, that's what I... That's what I have discerned from living this life all my life. Yeah. And that's that comes from being a kid and going to school, and when your girlfriends start complaining about how rough... It was at home yesterday, or something, or their mothers. And then you want to jump in and say, "Oh, I know. Do you know what my mother did?" And you say something that a teenager would say about their mother. Right. But the people you're talking to will gla- just kind of glaze right through you. They'll look at you with these glazed eyes, and then say, "I know. What was it? That chocolate factory scene was so funny. Wasn't it funny what you did?" You know. So it's like, oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm- None of this matters. Yeah. So I was afraid, but then my husband used to say to me, honey, just just follow your heart. Follow your heart. Yep. And it sounds really simple, but that's what I did. Yep. And I made sure that if I had something hard to say, that I was very particular about the picture that I put behind it or the music that was underneath it. Mm-hmm. And so that it's always clear how much love I have for them and what my intention was. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure that because that's, 
the film I made and I didn't make the film somebody else would like to see, that's probably why it won an award. You know? Yeah. Was there any pressure from people to try to get you to do it their way? No, or? no, 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 absolutely not. I I was only afraid of what people might want. Right, yeah. You know, that's we live most of our life that way, don't we, about what people think oh, and yes. what they're going to want. And really, you don't know what people think or what they want. Yeah. Nobody really knows what anybody else is thinking. Yeah. Hmm. You know, even when they tell you, it might not be for the reasons you think they think. Right, yeah. yeah. And it was just my fear of, oh, they're not going to care about this. They only want to see that, blah, 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 blah. You know, and... And um, NBC was amazing because they literally gave me my head to do what I wanted to do, make the film I wanted to make. That's good because yeah. you don't usually hear that story. <laughs> well, hello, I'd never directed anything in my life. You're right, yeah. They gave me the opportunity to produce and direct this, gave me a budget. You know, I went and got my my editors and made a movie, and they paid for it. Yeah. Now, crazy. did you enjoy doing that? I mean, not just the fact that you were making about your parents, but just the fact that you could do the directing and the, the producing Absolutely and loved it. Yeah. I, I mean, really, if I had the time and I could find more subject matter that I was as passionate about as that, I probably would never act again. Really? I, I could end up living in an editing room for the rest of my I loved. I loved collecting the, the information, doing the interviews, finding, you know, what pictures, what music, what is the story. How do I tell this story with these elements? And then sitting with my editor and, and telling it. I love doing that. I've made several small little films for various things since then because it's so much fun. But it really, it, that's, yeah, I mean, that's great fun. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to finish up here with a couple more questions if you have a moment. I do. Um, one thing I want to ask, is it true that you were the first choice for the role of Rizzo in Greece? Yes. You were? Yes. I made a stupid mistake. <laughs> God, I'm such a dope. You um, regret that, then I take it. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I don't regret really anything. I don't say I regret it because the, the decision I made took me somewhere that took me to the next step that took me to the next step that got me where I am, and I love where I am. But I can, I'll tell you how it happened, though. I was asked by Alan Carr and, and Randall Kleiser. Alan was producing it. Randy Randall was directing it. And it was uh, Mike Eisner, who was president of um, Paramount at the time. And I was their first choice. And I, I read for Mike Eisner. He said, you have to come in and, you know, just we have to show Mike our choices of who the, the people are. But he has to okay everything. And I said, oh, so I don't have the part. And they said, no, 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 no. It's just he has to okay everybody that he wants to see. You know, it's just like it's the head of the studio thing. Oh, okay. So I went in and I read with Randall. And, and this, is a, this is an interesting story, too. I, I did this reading of Rizzo with Randall Kleiser. And, and Mike Eisner was sitting at the end of this hugely long, like, conference table at Paramount. And Paramount is right next to RKO, mm -hmm. which became Desilu Studios and then went back to becoming Paramount again. So, as you know, my father bought RKO Studios. My mother and my father bought it and turned it into Desilu Studios. So I'm doing this Rizzo audition, and Mike Eisner, who's the president, is sitting at the other end, and I finished the whole audition, and he looks up at me and he says, wow, you know, the entire time you were reading that, all I could think of was, your father used to own this place and now I run it. <laughs> I thought, really? <laughs> That's all you could think of? Right, yeah. <laughs> Which is a little crazy. 
So I went out of the room, and Randall said, you did a great job. It's fabulous. I said, okay, great. Now, so could you please let me know, when are you going to be able to let me know, because I'm booked to do a play in Milwaukee during the same time that this movie starts. And he goes, oh, well, you've, you've got the part. You just, we have to wait for Michael to look at the other people. And I said, no, 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 but I really have to do this play, or I have to pay to get out of it, because I've already signed a contract, and I, they're going to make me pay like $5,000 to get out of it. And well, just tell them you're not doing it. I said, okay, would you put this in writing that I have grief? <laughs> well, no, we can't actually do that. Anyway, went back and forth like that for two weeks, where they couldn't put anything in writing until they had, but they wanted me to just believe that I had the part. And I decided that I wasn't going to do that. I said, I can't afford to pay you 5000 pay these guys $5,000. I'm going to have to do, and you know, the play was at the Melody Top Theater in Milwaukee, and it was Bye Bye Birdie. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I ended up doing Bye Bye Birdie in Milwaukee because I couldn't wait any longer, and I didn't want to pay the $5,000. Wow. Kind of silly, huh? Yeah, but well, the truth. yeah, you so never know. Yeah, yeah. Geez, you never yeah. know. <laughs> it's too funny. Well, we're going to finish up with just a couple more things here. What are your favorite TV shows? New or old, doesn't make any difference. Wow. <laughs> um, I've had various ones through the years, so it's hard to say. But these days, I mean, I would guess, first of all, let me just say I love Lucy, of course. Of course, yes. I, can, I mean, I've never been asked that question, and I've never answered it that way, but it would be the truth. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to turn that show on or trip over it on a television channel as you're surfing and not stop for a few minutes and watch the rest of it. It's just impossible. It's too, it's too well done. How many too times? Well written, too well acted, you know? Yeah. How many times have you seen, you mentioned the chocolate factory thing. How many times have you seen that episode? Wouldn't, wouldn't you just freak if I had an actual number? Right. <laughs> but I mean, I you know. A lot. A, a lot. Had, or do you avoid it? First of all, I... I produced the 50th anniversary of the I Love Lucy show for yes. CBS with my brother, and um, that was seven months of doing nothing but looking at clips from I Love Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> every single show. But you know, the truth of it is, every time you see it, you laugh. Oh, yes, yeah. And I've probably seen that into the hundreds, thousands of times. I'm sure. And it's still funny, it still works. Yeah, I didn't know um, if you avoided it, that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah, you know, these days, I watch a lot of Food Network. I watch Super Nanny because I love what she teaches parents about how to raise children, and mm-hmm. I think she could save the world if she if they let her. Yeah. Um, I like feel-good shows. I, I, I love to watch reruns of Friends. I think it was brilliantly written. Yeah. I, I, I watch the Turner Movie Classic channel a lot with my husband, mm-hmm. catch up on movies that I never saw. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'll tell you what, it's easier to tell you what I don't watch, because I watch, I don't watch a lot of television, yeah. but I have 500 channels or something, right. and, <laughs> and most of them I don't want to see, because they're always about somebody who's dead and how did they die. Right, oh yeah. I'm so tired <laughs> of all of the CSI, NCIS, Law and Order, Finitive, Criminal Mind, Death and Destruction, <laughs> Who Killed, How Did I Get the Knife In, How Big Is the Brain, How Much Blood Do They Have? It's yeah. disgusting. It's like too much already, and I think we're creating people who are going to get off just on killing people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm not a prude, but it was one thing when there used to be one of those shows. And then there are certain networks that, that have an entire evening of nothing but that. I know. It's funny how they've... You know, they say the people are being dumbed down, but I think Hollywood sometimes dumbs themselves down. <laughs> well, you, know? you know, I loved Chicago Hope when it was on. I like Sisters. 
I like private practice. I like certain shows. There's a lot of good television. A yeah. lot of good television out there, but they could they could cut the death and destruction shows in half. And yeah. Nobody would notice. That's right. Yeah. What about movies? What are favorite movies? Favorite movies of yours. Oh gosh, you'd have to give me the list. Give me the list of every movie ever made, and I'll go down with a checklist and tell you there's too many. <laughs> too many. There's huh? Too many. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, if I, if you hold a gun to my head and say, "What was my favorite all-time movie ever?" I would probably say "Gone with the Wind," just because it just is. That one comes up a lot. <laughs> Is. I mean, yeah. you can't watch that movie and just not go, ah, oh. <laughs> every frame is a portrait, you know? Yeah, yeah. He did such a magnificent job. And and then, you know, there's just, just a, a thousand other contemporary movies, well-acted movies, you know, in the, in the vein of everything from Pretty Woman to Midnight Cowboy to, you know, um, I don't even know what. I can't even say them because they'll say, oh, that's her favorite movie. No, I have thousands of them. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Lucy, it has been fun, and uh, I've enjoyed this a lot, and I hope you've had a good time, too. I have indeed. I appreciate your asking to interview me, and thanks for all the nice things you said about the CD. Yeah, and, and we're, what we're going to do is we're going to put a link on our site so people okay. can go directly to um, you know where the CD is being sold some places and also to your site, if that's okay. Yes, please. And that's LucyArnez.com, if anybody right. wants to go to that. Yeah, we're updating it. It's been like that for a long, long time. And Laura Johansson uh, is my webmaster mistress, and she does a great job. But she started out just as a fan, and she just sort of added stuff, added stuff, added stuff, added stuff. And, and recently we took a look at it and both went, ew, time to house clean, you know? <laughs> so it's like we're just cleaning it up and making it simpler, easier for um, I'm actually splitting it into two forms. The front of it will be something that when people want to know how to reach me to, to hire me for concerts or for business, so it's like easy. You, here's, yeah. here's the biography, here's the picture. If you were going to do a show with me and you want to just get on and quick get a this, get a that, you could get there easier. And then the thing up in the side that we're going to call it, you know, Lucy Land or something, and mm -hmm. when you click on that, you get all that other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, is there you know, a place on your site that people can turn around and find out your schedule, where you're going to be appearing? Yes, yes. It's, it's Lucy's calendar, and the schedule is up there. Um, right now it looks a little lean because I only have a few more dates coming up before uh, the end of summer because I, I kind of swept house and, and tried to keep it open so that we can do the Babalu show again here in New York. Mm -hmm. yeah through the summer, and then tour with it in early fall. And so I've purposely been only putting a couple little concerts here and there because I'm hoping that that, in fact, will happen. Oh, yeah. I wish you luck with the CD. It's a great CD. People Thank should you. be checking that out. It's a, you know definitely it's on iTunes, too, I believe, right? It is. It's on iTunes and CD Baby. And, uh, but Amazon is, is a good, fast way to find it. Or LucyArnez.com. You can order it straight through me. That's it. Well, thank you very much for taking the time, Lucy. My pleasure. Oh, Lucy was such a great guest. Want to thank her for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, she was a real sweetheart and uh, just just a great person to talk to. Had some great stories. Really enjoyed that. And uh, let's see. I want to remind you that our contest is going on. You can go check it all out, all the information at onscreenandbeyond.com. Get yourself a chance to win yourself a horror double feature or an action double feature. And you can get all the information at onscreenandbeyond.com. So that's about it for now. Next week, we have another great guest coming your way. I hope you're going to join us. And it is our annual summer movie preview. Find out what's coming your way throughout the summer. Some of the blockbusters that will be coming your way. Or maybe flops. Who knows what's going to happen with them. But until then, this is Brian Zimrak. 
Take care. Thank you.